Hello everybody, this is Taylor from Game Devs Quest with this week's quick tip. This is just a friendly reminder to make sure you back up all of your g -g 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 game dev projects. <laughs> we wouldn't want any anything to go wrong, would we? For version control, check out something like GitHub, GitLab, or Bitbucket. That way, every time you make a change to your project, you commit it up to the cloud and you have a backup. Or you can do something as simple as zipping up your project once a week, twice a week, whatever you choose, but just make sure that you store those in multiple locations. We definitely want to play the games you have and don't want you to run into any catastrophic issues. Did you like that cheese? Welcome to Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs and a game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so? So? Last week, we, uh, we had some challenges, Taylor. Uh-huh. Don't know if you remember this. Mm -hmm. I challenge you. To do some research into some charities. Yeah. And um, you debased my uh, my existence by calling out my questionable parentage and unlikely anatomical configurations. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I had, Yeah, I didn't know where that was going. I thought you were going to say I was criticizing some sort of uh, charity that you that you liked, but I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. Um, we did have an interesting discussion about that yesterday. So, uh, up front, Rhett and I had crazy weeks. Um, and again, like we're not trying to make excuses. But we yesterday we recorded two podcasts for our book club podcast, The Awesome Book Club. Um, and we spent a lot of time reading <laughs> last week. Like, I, I'm a slow reader. And when you add, like, the fact that I'm taking notes most pages on a book and I need to be like knowledgeable to the point of talking about it for several hours. Um, I'm very meticulous and so it takes a really long time to read. So like for me last week, my wife was in Minnesota at a conference for school. And so I'll, of course, like every time that happens, I'm always like gung-ho, like, man, I'm going to get so much done. You know, uh, I'm, I'm just by myself. I'm going to just like game dev hard. But then I had to prepare for the book club podcast. So I spent, like, outside of all the hours I streamed last week, I spent all of my free time reading. Um, so I didn't I didn't do, like, a crazy amount of work trying to find uh, charities. Although we did sign up and donate to two charities uh, this week, me and Alia. Um, we donated money to the Friends of Trees, which is a local organization that plants trees in Oregon. And the way I found out about um, Friends of Trees was actually we were just on a walk in Eugene and we saw a tree out in the wild that had a little tag on it. And I was like, what is that? So I walked up and there it was, Friends of Trees. They plant, like since 1989 or something, like the year I was born, they planted close to a million trees in Oregon um, in these uh, 
like in the bigger cities like Portland and Eugene and it's like having trees in cities is huge for reducing pollution um, because the trees will just suck up all the CO2 basically. Um, so that's, that was one of them. The other one that we picked was the wildlife conservation network, um, which basically puts resources towards uh, protecting endangered species throughout the world, like elephants and cheetahs and different types of sharks and all that kind of stuff. And so I took a while to kind of vet those. Um, like there's so many wildlife conservation type places out there. Um, but you hear some shady stuff about a lot of them. And like the conversation that we were having yesterday on uh, one of our book club podcasts was about kind of the ethics involved in where charities put their money like you always hear about how efficient charities are with their with their money and how much overhead they have and all that kind of stuff and there was an interesting talk between several of us about how much money the ceo of a charity should have or should make in a year and i think it's a uh, it's hard to say what's what the right amount is like yeah because on one hand when that came up it's like i totally initially agreed with you and then kurt just brought up some really really valid points it's like oh i've actually never really considered it that way yes like, yeah so <laughs> you know. my point was like i i've been looking at this uh this website I'm blanking on the name of it off the top of my head uh it basically rates different uh charity organizations and yeah, how we talked about it a couple weeks ago we did too. yeah uh oh it's charity navigator and so when I was looking at a bunch of well-known charities, a lot of their CEOs make between $500,000 and a million dollars a year. And like, initially my thought was just like, wow, that's extremely unethical. Like if people are putting all this money towards like conservation or whatever, that's a huge percentage going towards the CEO. But Kurt's counterpoint was basically that if you want somebody who can run a company that is, well-managed and you know is like a top-notch ceo who can who can deal with you know millions of dollars of resources going in and out to different places like sometimes you have to pay higher because otherwise you know maybe they'd work for nike or something where they're making like tenfold um so it's this weird idea it's this weird topic that i think it's just because of the way our society is structured that's that's kind of how it is you know yeah I'm not, I'm not sure if we can get around it so that was interesting um but i did one thing that was kind of um fun this last week was uh, a couple things i've been trying to not watch the news so much like we've had this conversation before <laughs> <laughs> uh where i'm i tried not to watch so much like um you know Seth Meyers and Trevor Noah and all those kinds kinds of shows, which are basically just like comedic bash sessions of Trump, you know, and I don't think it's all that productive for me. So last week I started watching more game developers conference talks, which I'm going to try to do at lunch, you know, when I'm actually eating, trying to do something productive. And then I also started watching, um, it's called Climate Lab, sponsored by Vox, who is kind of like a journalist company, I think. I don't know exactly what, what they do, but they have a bunch of interesting segments. Um, and one of them was this climate lab 
and it's all about um, the problem of climate change and how we as a society have kind of like failed to uh, address climate change in a way that makes people feel like it's a problem we need to deal with. Um, and it was really interesting. Like I'm super interested in the, in the environment and like animals and all that kind of stuff, as you guys all know. Um, but if you want to learn about climate change, it's, it's kind of cool. They have some really um, inspirational things on there. Like they're talking about nuclear energy and how basically uh, right now, nuclear power plants are really old technology, like out, out of date and people get really scared when they think of nuclear energy because they think of the atomic bombs. Uh, they think about things Fukushima, like Fukushima, Chernobyl. Yeah. Things like that. Island. When the part of the reason that those things happen is because they're such outdated technology. And nowadays, like, you know, the U S does rely on a, somewhat sizable portion of its energy to come from nuclear energy. I think it was like in the 20 to 30% range and it's still relying on that old technology. But, you know, nowadays people like in startups and different things are investing into ways to make it better. Like the way that it's set up right now, power, nuclear power plants have like the way that their reactors are made and they cool the reactors. It basically like if an emergency happens, it just causes like a huge explosion. And that's because of how they deal with cooling off the reactors is what I gathered from this climate lab thing. Well, there's people that are investing into shaping the, um, the structure, like the building that it's in that can reduce the damage that would happen there. They also have um, new ideas in terms of like, dealing with the waste that nuclear energy produces. And one of the ways that I thought was really kind of funny and interesting was I think it was um, University of California. Um, they're researching ways to, to change the waste product that come from uh, making nuclear energy. And if you remember Nibbler from Futurama, yeah. they literally are making like replicas of his poop. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when he like drops uh what is what is his poop made of dark dark yeah. matter or something it's like black matter or something yeah yeah it's like super heavy and powers their starships <laughs> yeah so now like they have this idea where the waste that it produces are these golf ball sized of uh really dense material that like can't explode which was like really fascinating. Like they have this way to like cycle these things so that it's not going to blow up and cause like huge, you know, events that are, are really traumatizing to a, a community or whatever. So anyways, um, it got me really interested, uh, thinking about things like that. Um, they also have this section on zero waste, like having a zero waste life. And there's this segment from this, this YouTuber, um, she has her YouTube channel is called trash for tosser tossers. Um, and she basically has lived the last four years with, as with a zero waste lifestyle. And she has literally produced one Mason jar of trash in the last four years that she has lived. Um, and she's done that by like, you know, when she goes to the grocery store, she's bringing reusable bags she's not 
getting plastic material uh, for much of anything. Everything that does come in, like jars or anything like that, uh, she verifies that it's recyclable material. Um, but then anything that doesn't, that isn't recyclable and she can't avoid, like she buys all of her clothes secondhand at like Goodwill and things like that. But they even have tags on those types of shirts that are made from some like synthetic material that can't be recycled. So she'll take those off and put them in her little jar. She's like really good about um, being honest about that. And so it's like those ideas are really interesting because my wife and I are um, trying to live a more minimalist life. Like she's, my wife has been really big about this thing called Project Pan, which is like what these um, beauty YouTubers do where they don't buy new makeup. They go through all the makeup that they have and use it up before they like get rid of it and buy something that, you know, they really want or follows like their line of ethics. Um, like now they have cruelty free makeup that doesn't do animal testing. And so they'll get rid of the makeup that they have and then buy cruelty free stuff. But so we've had this kind of idea where, we're trying to like project pan a bunch of stuff that we have. Like we have so much shampoo, you know, that's just been acquired from like going to hotels and stuff like that over the years. And so we're trying to like project pan all that stuff and get rid of the clutter in our lives to, you know, reduce the amount that we're using and, and actually like buying the things that we want to buy. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I actually think that, some of the things that I learned in that could apply to game dev, um, especially when it comes to like time management, like just sitting down and analyzing all of the things you do in your daily life and like making sure that they have a purpose, you know, like I'm really guilty of like when I come home, I sit down on the couch, I scroll through imager for like, 10, 15 minutes, you know, and that's fine because I, I'm using it to decompress, but thinking about those kinds of things and actually like making sure they all have a purpose. Um, and if you're like going all in on game dev, you know, fill in your time with game dev related things as best as you can. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to kind of like take that step back and analyze how you're using your time. Um, so anyways, that was kind of a long tangent, but that was that was kind of part of my week trying to fit in um, to the the scope of the challenge. I don't have like an exact idea on a um, charity that I, I would like us to focus on like donating to, but I think I'm kind of starting to brainstorm those things and uh, analyzing, you know, what relates to game dev in a way that is also related to like these bigger world problems, because in reality, like making games is important to us because we enjoy it. It's important to our players because they enjoy it, but it's a form of entertainment primarily. There's bigger issues out there that, that could be addressed. So if we can find a charity that addresses a bigger world problem, um, I think that'd be pretty sick. So Nicely done. <laughs> that was a 15-minute ramble about all kinds of stuff, but there we are. <laughs> um, if you guys want to check out Climate, La Climate Lab, um, you can go to the Vox YouTube channel. They have all kinds of interesting stuff. Like, um, 
I mean, and I think it's pretty liberal leaning, you know, the stuff that they're interested in. Um, but they have all kinds of little like um, series that look really interesting and I've enjoyed it. I feel like they've done a pretty good job of, of uh, being journalists or whatever. So anyways, how does your challenge go, Rhett? <laughs> My challenge? Well, I don't think I can talk about it for 15 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my challenge was to complete the physics uh, tutorial on click team fusion. And I did not do that. Um, I did start it, but of course, last time we talked about it, I was starting it, um, as well. So it's like, you know, I just kind of putzed around a little bit and then I just kind of ran out of time because I had to leave town for the weekend and uh, I was gone for three days. So I spent most of last week since we talked just um, really getting my life in order so that when I left, I could come back and there wouldn't be anything that I missed or um, had to get caught up on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was working like 12 hour days and uh, trying to get my house in order and trying to get my stuff in order and also, you know, be prepared to work, but also be prepared to live outside for three days, yeah. um, which is a lot more effort than you think when, you know, normally when I leave town, I just got a little go bag and toss it in my car. And then, you know, if I have to stay out longer, stay in a hotel, <laughs> uh, not this time around. So uh, there's just a lot of extra prep that went into it. So, um, yeah, my challenge failed. That's okay. Um, um, and I think you get a you get a pass on yours just because well, because I talked fifteen, for 15 minutes, minutes of material. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, even though it was all tangent ta- tangentially related, uh, I was going to ask you. So, and maybe you don't know. I don't know how far along you got, but in Click Team Fusion, do they have kind of a similar concept to like a rigid body, like they do in Unity? Like maybe you click on a game object and you apply like a physics component or something to it. Is that how that works? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. It's probably not exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. You know, Did- and then you can all you can also sort of like control um, just the way that the types of interactions that you garner between two objects as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not like strictly like here's the physics and there's like gravity and all this type of stuff. Like you kind of have to specify a lot of stuff. So gotcha. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's like video games. I would say a huge part of video games is just how objects collide or interact with one another, you know, in a physical sense. Um, So that's pretty huge. Do you feel like, um, I mean, I guess we won't know until we choose our themes or whatever, but do you feel like your game, you want to try and make it physics based or cuz i kind of go back and forth like for instance our uh maximum the rollerball that was yeah. pretty much all physics based right cuz we're like yeah. moving around on that platform but my logger game has zero physics cuz right um you know cuz you just there's no need for it essentially um yeah uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. I really haven't thought about it yet. Um, there's, you know, I don't want to like put too much thought into what I'm going to do until it comes time just to yeah. try and keep in spirit, uh, with game jams in general. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you but... think you're going to do art when you get to OMG jam? Like, I think I'm pretty clearly going to be pixel art. Um, cause that's just what I do, you know? Yeah. 
think you'll do Marmoset Hexels again or? Uh, yeah, pro- probably Hexels or we'll see. Um, I was also thinking about just like doing a really, really rough prototype type thing without any sort of major graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that's like clear and distinguishable and understandable when you're playing it, but like, you know, nothing, um, fantastic, you know? Uh, yeah. I just want to have a project that I can finish in the right amount of time and that's, you know, reasonably fun for five minutes. Um, yeah, totally. That's so that's to- kind of my goal, you know, is just a playable game that is fun for five minutes. And beyond that, I have no expectations. Nice. And that's okay. That's exactly what One Mechanic Game Jam's for. Yep. So. Cool. Well, um, so that's kind of the challenge section. Let's go on to game dev. Um, this week, like I said, we, we were pretty busy, so I don't think either of us made, like, great strides. But, um, of course, I streamed a lot. Uh, I did a lot of stuff that, like, I played a lot of people's games. I played Element Fire's game. Um which for whatever reason I'm blanking on the name. Uh, it's like this game where you oh uh, Rune Kit Run. That's the name of it. Yeah, it's this game where you like ha- control this little fox, um, and yeah, it's it looks an amazing. infinite runner. Yeah, it looks really great. Um, and so I did some beta testing for that on stream. It was super fun. I think he's in kind of like a beta phase and looking looking to launch soon. Um, and then I also played uh, Nest Lander, which is a game from Bad Toad, who's pretty new to our discord um he was apparently a pixel artist for some game companies back when the commodore 64 was like the hot thing um so it's cool seeing how that style influenced him and his game and nestlander is basically one of those like um landing games you know where you have like a spaceship and you're trying to like land it on the zone you know you go through a bunch of obstacles and then you land it on a particular platform or whatever but his spin is that you're controlling this little cute little bird who flaps around you got to pick up all the gold eggs and uh he has his up on itch.io you can purchase it i think it's 349 um and so i played that for a while it's pretty pretty challenging um i'm bad at games but i had a good time playing it um i think i'll have to go back and play it some more so if you guys haven't checked out those games, um, they're in our Discord, so hit them up on Discord or check out their pages on, I think both of them are on itch.io. Um, so that was part of my week. The other part was I I got pretty focused on getting better at pixel art this week. Um, I was inspired primarily by Maddykins, who has been crushing pixel art lately. Like he, uh, in the Discord, he's posted a whole bunch of, of images that he's made doing like at first it was just a bunch of rocks (laughs) he like made like 15 different rocks or something and all different types and different like shading patterns and colors and stuff but then he started working on another little game that was all pixel art based and it looks dope dude so i got pretty inspired um i decided that going forward i'm going to dedicate time on my streams to pixel dailies um and my strategy here is to try to get faster um because like when I worked on the deer or the rabbit or the bear for my games, I spent like multiple streams working on one like run cycle for them or whatever. Right. And it's just really time consuming. So I want to get faster, maybe not um, spend so much time like getting every single pixel perfect. Um, and so I also am doing the Pomodoro clock um, at the same time when I do 
Pixel Daily. So start the Pomodoro clock, which is 25 minutes by default. Check out what the Pixel Daily is, and then I get I just get going. And the other thing I'm trying to focus on is um, limiting my color palette. That's yeah. something that I'm I have not done hardly ever, and I think it's crucial um, to becoming a better pixel artist and and making your art um, have like a common theme. You know, I wish that I would have done that to start my game that I'm working on right now. Because what I normally do is in Pixel Edit, you have options to, um, like if you have a color that you've picked, you bring up like the color selector and it has these different options where you can just like make it darker or make it lighter or like things like that. It just makes it really easy to just pick a new color. Um, And that's good and all. I think that's fine. But I think having a very specific palette that you use for everything First of all, it's it's like we talk about with having the one mechanic game jam. It's a limitation, and by limiting yourself, you end up having a more refined product. Um, and so I'm trying to stick to pretty small color palettes to see if I can learn from that. Like I watched this tutorial today from this guy who was talking about like getting better at pixel art. The first thing you should do is literally start with a Game Boy palette. And yeah, Manbeard Games was telling me I should do this too. Yeah, you start with the Game Boy palette, which is four colors. Yep. So see what you can do with that. Like some of the Game Boy pixel art is amazing and it's just four colors, you know? And then once you feel like you have that under control, maybe bump it up to like 16 colors, you know, or, or go along the same lines that like, you know, Game Boy to NES to SNES or whatever, expand that color palette as you, as you become more comfortable with it. So I'm trying to stick with that and see if I can learn more about like color theory and making sure that like things are consistent. Cause if you do it, how I've been doing it so far, you end up just having like this whole mess of colors that may not even mesh together, you know? So that's going to be a big focus of mine. I want to make sure I'm doing pixel art every day because what, what I normally do is like a huge, a big bulk of pixel art for like a couple days. And then I don't do it for like, two weeks or something you know yeah so yeah that's a good idea chops. when i was doing pixel dailies i only did a few but um you know uh i always limited myself to like eight colors yeah and um generally it was like four colors and then like maybe different shades of those four colors just to like have some you know range i guess yeah um but yeah man limitation is the mother of innovation or right. something so yeah so that's the way to that's do been it. good um yesterday's was kind of fun H- have you seen the game moonlighter yeah it looks yeah it looks great <laughs> uh moonlighter yeah it looks really fun um it's a new i don't know zelda type game um that's all pixel art based um and the theme for yesterday was moonlighter and uh god that was a fun one i was at first i was like what am i gonna do for this and i just looked around and you know, grab the character and just almost did like fan art, you know, for the game. And it's just like, it was just kind of a blast. So having fun. The themes are nice too. Cause like oftentimes you're like, well, what, what am I gonna, what am I gonna draw? I don't know. I guess I'll draw like more apples, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the theme every day, it's always something weird and unique. Um, you know, things that kind of push you out of your comfort zone. Like today is story, but, or, uh, pop-up book you know like those kids storybooks right like that's gonna be i would never have thought to draw that with pixel art 
So that's going to be interesting. Um, well, remember, it's just a theme. It's not necessarily like it has to be exactly that. You know, you can draw a closed pop-up book. You can draw a scene from a pop-up book without it looking like a pop-up, you know? Yeah, totally. I think I just like that that uh, something you wouldn't expect. So now, you know, again, you're kind of limited. Yep. It's like, well, I got to figure out what to do with this set of things. So here we go. Let's try it. And by trying it, you just get better. So anyways, that's been pretty much my, my, my week. I did, um, I did get rabbits in the game, which was cool. I got these little nice. bunnies, bunnies hopping around. I did a tiny bit of work this weekend on it. Um, and I got the rabbits only being in the grasslands and they're just like hopping around. Um, they can't go off the edge of the screen, which for whatever reason was kind of hard for me to figure out at first, but I made it work. So that Good. that's always cool. Whenever I add like a little critter to the game, it makes it seem more fleshed out and fun. So I was excited about that. But otherwise, yeah, man, what else we got? Well, I didn't get any game dev done. In fact, didn't even get to work on my physics tutorial for Click Team. Um, but what little time I did have, um, I spent an evening watching a movie with Bailey. Um, and I think people might enjoy it. I know I certainly did. When it came to theaters, all I did was like hear about how great the movie was, but how it was underperforming because they didn't market it correctly because they didn't know what it was. And I think I understand now that I saw it. Um, but anyway, the movie's called Annihilation, starring Natalie Portman, and, uh, holy shit, yeah, it was so good. I was, like, thoroughly engrossed in this movie from start to finish. Um, it's, you know, I guess, like, kind of a pseudo-horror movie, but it kind of felt, um, to me, immediately I was drawing comparisons between the movie Arrival, which is, like, one of my favorites, uh, the year it came out. In fact, I think the year it came out, Arrival was my favorite movie of the year, and it came out, like, right at the end, too, so it was, like you know um just heavy hitting and then also the thing which apparently taylor's never seen um i'm the worst which you know he talks about how much he loves film but then the way he talks about film it's like do you do you really okay (laughs) wow yeah we just talked about this i majored in film (laughs) studies literally because i was like well shoot i suck at programming what else can I do? <laughs> oh, watching movies. I could do that. <laughs> uh, um, well, it is funny, though, because like you have, you know, like when we've had you on Cineman before, which is uh, an old podcast of mine where we watch movies, you know, like you definitely have like a lot more analytical mind to it. And like a lot of the way that I watch movies, I picked up from you. Like I'm, I think a lot about. I think a lot about how they're framing it. I think a lot about how they, how they got that shot. You know, mm-hmm. if it's like a real effect. You know, like how did they set that up? Like, um, yeah. Lord of the Rings is a fun one for this one because I used, you know, we used to all watch those movies all the time. Oh, yeah. So there's so many shots in that where I can just remember Taylor being like, "Well, here's how they did that." You know, one of the, like one of the most obvious ones that I remember is like on the road and Fellowship when the uh, ring wraiths oh, yeah, are after dude. them, and that- it's like. Yeah, it's that the shot effect. where the camera is like m- zooming in or out while they're physically moving the camera. Yeah, it it like when you see that, you know, the they so they're on the road and they hear the ring race and they're like, "What is that?" You know, like the wind is blowing yeah. and uh, everything, and then they have this effect, and when you see it, it looks like magic. Like, yeah, I don't. 
it's crazy how it looks. I had never seen anything like that, but it's literally all they do. I think they zoom out while they um, track the camera forward. And it's like yeah. the simplest thing. And what's interesting is if you actually look back at some earlier films, like Alfred Hitchcock did this in Vertigo, and they used it to um, make you feel like you were experiencing Vertigo. He looks down when he's in, on top of this like bell tower. Yep. He looks down the staircase, and they did the exact same thing that they do with Lord of the Rings. And it's like dizzying, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. cool to like, you know, I think this is just why people like us like game development and like movies and everything is to like know how they did something that was so cool. Yeah. Um, so that's like a huge part of, of enjoying film, but also like what grips me um, is looking back. Like you can never really know what a movie is about until you've seen it multiple times. Yeah. And when you watch it, like the first time you're just kind of like getting the story, right? Yeah. You're but, just enjoying it. Yeah. You're just enjoying it. But once you like sit down and you try to critique it, um, you start paying attention to things like how a particular frame was shot, where people are located in the frame, what type of colors are used in what way to demonstrate like what that person or thing is feeling or doing at that time like pay attention to lighting in movies when you start really yeah. thinking about lighting it's such a huge component into storytelling because it it visually displays what a character is going through right yeah. like um so that's well, what it's I, interesting yeah, yeah lighting is really good but it's interesting to see like when certain movies have like a really distinct color scheme too like m night Shyamalan does this really well in like the village mm-hmm. but he also oh, yeah. does it really well in the movie split um i still haven't seen that it's pretty good yeah um a lot of people hate it but i thought it was pretty good but like look at uh like i was thinking about the movie enemy the other day which is like oh, God. they kind of shoot it with like a yellow hue uh-huh and then, like, The Matrix, they shoot it with, like, a green hue. And then, mm-hmm. like, what was another movie I watched there that, like, that had, like, that same thing? It was, like, you know, they just kind of – not that it's, like, overwhelming, but there's kind of just, like, that general vibe. Well, like, um, a lot of a lot of movies that are pretty sad, they add kind of, like, a bluish hue to it, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So. Um yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so Annihilation. Um, go watch The Thing, Taylor. Come on. It's a freaking classic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you said The Thing, and I was like, did he forget the name? <laughs> no. It's called Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, dude, Annihilation yeah. was so good. Um, I, I guess I won't spoil it too much because I think you'd probably really like it. Yeah, I um, saw previews for it, and I knew that I would like it. it yeah. It, I got similar vibes to um, Arrival, like you said. Also, um, another one of my favorites in the last couple of years is Ex Machina. Yes, um, it's directed by the director of Ex Machina. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I'm gonna like it. Cool. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like where the thing vibe comes from too, because that guy directed 28 Days Later, which isn't necessarily a thing movie, but I think it takes place in Alaska, and. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong about that. But anyway, uh, you know, the thing takes place in like a cold climate as well. So mm-hmm. uh, then maybe that's kind of like why you get that vibe. This one doesn't take place in cold climate, but um, yeah. spoiler alert. 
<laughs> but yeah, dude, it's really good. It's got like an almost all female cast. You know, I think it's like the couple male characters. Like Oscar Isaac is like the one guy that's in it. Dude, I think. that guy is taken over Hollywood. Dude, he's right the now. man. Yeah, he's in like everything. Star Wars. Yeah. Ex Machina. Have you seen other Drive? One. Yeah, of course. Drive, yeah, Drive is badass, and he's in that one. He kind of played a not great character, but he Whatever. he does a he does a pretty good job of being the enemy or like the bad yeah he guy, does you know <laughs> he's uh he's from Guatemala so there's that oh nice yeah 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 oh yeah um, he was in Ex Machina too yeah he no has wonder. the best scene where he's like I'm gonna cut up a rug <laughs> <And he> dances <laughs> oh uh, man yeah cool man yeah I really want to see that movie um I I don't get excited about movies very often um but that one. It just seemed like it fit the exact type of movie that I would like. So yeah, dude, I watch it right away, man. You know, I I at this point in my life, it's like I don't mind spending money on movies, and so like I rented it on Amazon. It cost like five bucks or something. It was worth it. It was so well done. Um, I want to watch it again uh, because it probably took me a little bit longer to like get into it because I kind of had to force myself to watch it because this day and age, I can't really like sit down that easily. Um, yeah. But uh, after it just gets rolling, it's like, holy cow. And now what really bugs me is that, you know, like when the movie came out, it took me a while to realize it, but it's based off of a book. And I freaking look at the cover of that book like every damn time I'm in a bookstore. And I made – I always make fun of the the freaking um, – the cover of it because it's like one of those – it's like Anahil – or whatever you know it's like the words are broken up and i was like what a dumb freaking way to do the cover art this is dumb design and there's like bugs on the front of it and i'm like this makes no sense why would i book yes yeah okay huh and what really bothers me about it well not bothers me but uh, i was kind of looking at the book the other day because i think i'm going to read the book now and a, a general consensus seems to be that the movie is quite a bit better than the book so we'll see uh which is like a rare feat these day this day and age um yeah but uh, I think Arrival is like kind of one of those two where it's just like they adapt it so damn well that like it's theirs now. You know, it's like Jimi Hendrix playing all along the Watchtower and Bob Dylan's like, yeah, I'll never play this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I was kind of looking through the book and I've probably told the story before, but for the last National Novel Writing Month, I had this idea of like, it was like, oh, cool. Wouldn't it be so cool to like write a book that's like this explorer's like field journal and it's like a diary. And, you know, in, without getting into the nitty gritty of it all, I, for a long time, I was kind of wanting to not use actual names for the characters and just use titles <laughs> like the doctor, the engineer, like that type of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know, that's too video gamey and blah, 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 blah. And then I looked at the book and none of the freaking characters have names. It's all like the chemist, the biologist, the, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> this was a great idea. I should have done it. And it's a freaking diary thing. <laughs> and I was like, damn you, you took my idea. But of course, the book was written well before I ever had that idea. But it's still fun to like see that an idea that you had and you weren't sure like if it would be received well or what was received really well and turned into like an amazing movie. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's well, cool I, when like people come up with ideas like simul- not simultaneously but like independently, you know. Yeah. I always like that idea of like leaving a lot to the imagination. You know, mm-hmm. like almost um books that are less descriptive, like they give you like the broad 
you know, scene or whatever. Or, you know, they describe the character, but then, yeah, don't go into, like, who he is or backstory all too much. It's, like, all... This is why, like, film is so great is because it's all described visually, right? I think it's really interesting. Kind of like we were talking about with Josh Chu, just, like, learning about things through experiencing them, you know? Like, not just... Uh, once upon a time there was a blah 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 who did this and did that and this was when he did this thing you know it's like all just given to us through like plot points that um shape who that character is you know yeah um so i like that i like that mystery component like not just being spoon-fed you know things like that absolutely and, and, and name name actually has a lot to describe what the character is like you know yeah um and we take take for granted a lot of that kind of stuff we just don't think about it you know but when the name is is removed then you really gotta kind of like think about it they become more mysterious and kind of leaves it leaves it up to interpretation a little bit yeah to the viewer which i love like alia alia just watched this show um i just saw the ad for it on this imdb page uh it's called picnic at hanging rock which is uh, an amazon original and it's about like australia in like the 1800s yeah. or something and basically what i got from it was um these girls go missing it's like this it must be like this religious um boarding school or something in australia back then and it's you know really strict kind of you know women don't have a lot of rights and the men are off like frontiering or whatever, you know, and these three girls go missing. And what Alia said, like maybe spoiler alert, I'm not sure. I didn't watch it. So she said was she, she was unsure about the ending because this was one of those series that went on for just a season and it's done, which I love those types of things. I don't want things to continue. Just keep going and going and going. Right. That's why true detective was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh! You I clearly still ha- haven't watched True Detective. I haven't watched it. I, oh I my know f- God! I know you talk about it. Here we go again. What just, hasn't you know what? Taylor no, we're watched? We're done with the podcast. <laughs> we're done for the. Just take this extra time you have with your yeah. day and go watch True Detective. <laughs> Can I finish my story? <laughs> no. no I'm just go ahead. <laughs> I don't think there was much left. But <laughs> okay, she, sorry. So what I was trying to. The point I was trying to make was that at the end of this series, you don't find out anything. Like you're left with like interpreting what you think happened, which I love. Like those are the yeah. types of things that I love. Like that's why Enemy was so great. What kind of an ending did Enemy have? You know, right? it was completely up to your interpretation, which leads to all these like fan theories and wanting you to go back and dissect the material. You know? Yeah which I love, like, I love that mysterious element. And that's why, like, what you were saying, I think it's pretty cool to have these characters be not named. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's why I think that show, like, shows that go on for too long, you risk, you risk blundering and Uh messing up and committing a small error that just destroys everyone. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know, Lost is kind of like a perfect example. Like, I love the show. I finished it all. I, but, but yeah, it went on too long and it kind of messed up. Why do you think people love Firefly? Because it was 14 episodes. It never ended. And people 
we're obsessed and it's yeah. like less is more and right. generally like that's my rule less is more leave them wanting right um, see that's another thing i another problem i have with marvel i guess if they if they did just a couple of the big ones that would be awesome like give us you know you don't have to go into literally every conflict that ever happened in this universe you know uh, uh, you know you don't like that <laughs> <laughs> You know how I feel about Marvel movies, dude. Like, I mean, well, I was getting a little. There's like Phase Two. I didn't really like all that much, but dude, like all of the freaking latest movies are so good. Like, from Civil War onwards, in my opinion. I know you didn't like Civil War, but I didn't see Civil War. I, I, um, I tried to watch what was it, uh, Avengers Two, and the opening scene was like 40 minutes of explosions, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Honestly, dude, Avengers 2 was not that good. And yeah. it had a lot of problems. Like, they had to fire Joss Whedon, like, mid-production and all of this other stuff. Like, it wasn't that good. Yeah. The latest Avengers is probably their best movie they've done. Hmm. It's, I mean, I really, like, I mean, shit, we were talking earlier, and it's like, I was saying, like, yeah, Thor Ragnarok's my favorite. Well, no, Doctor Strange is my favorite. No, wait, you know. But... Like, all of the latest ones they've done in the last couple of years are just, they're so solid and so tight. And you watch Civil War, and there's parts of it, to me, I was watching, I was like, holy shit, am I watching a freaking Jason Bourne movie right now? Like, just the way that they shoot it, the way that they were doing it. Yeah. It felt like a freaking spy thriller, you know? And it kind of, it, it was half spy thriller, half, like, uh, ensemble, like, battle royale, you know? So that was, it was fun and different. And then... You know, like with Thor Ragnarok, it's like way more fantastical, I think, than the other ones. And plus, they're like, well, Thor movie, we've done this before. Hey, let's like, let's switch it up. Like, you know, let's how do we take Thor and shake it up and and toss it out and have it fresh? And they did that. And it was so good. Um, yeah. And then Avengers, I mean. It's just so fun to see all of these movies that you've spent a lot of time following and then seeing like all of the little meetups, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like what we finally got in five season in, into Game of Thrones, right? Like you watch the first season of Game of Thrones and you get all of these characters and you're like, oh man. And then slowly the story's unfolding and they're all winding towards each other. Right. Yeah, and that then is cool. The latest season of Game of Thrones, you get motherfucking Jamie running down Daenerys. <laughs> I, dude, I don't know about you, but I stood up. I was like, holy shit. And you yeah. you know, like, everything well, you've learned is like, these are two really important characters. What the fuck is going to happen? Yeah. You know, the, and it's like, you know that probably nothing's going to happen, but... The brilliance like, of Game of Thrones, I feel like, is that it, depending on who you're focused on at the time, it makes you love and hate characters all at the same time. Right. right? Like... When you first start, you think that Jamie is the biggest piece of shit, right? And then as right. you keep going, you start to really like kind of like him, you know? And well, he has the this... truth of that is it's just because you were getting – in the first book, you're only getting freaking gossip about him. Yeah. You're literally getting only gossip. Well, and, and like, it's mostly the Stark perspective. Us. Right. Yeah. And they're like, well, he's the king killer. And you're like, oh, what a douche. He killed that guy from behind? Yeah. But then, when him and Brienne are traveling together, you're like, oh, this guy really isn't all that bad. And Brienne yeah. is trying really hard to hate him. Yeah. And ultimately, I think she comes up short. Like, 
And, um, and I, that's the beauty of it. And it's like all of these characters are dynamic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's what the I only love. person. Yeah. The only person who died before you could really hate them was Ned Stark, you know? True. But even then, like, there's going to be stuff that comes out where you're just like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. I mean, there has to be. Maybe there won't be, but. Um, yeah. That's what I, mean, I like. He did sort of trigger the war that, like, led to the rebellion that led to, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, all of this turmoil. But... True. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing where that goes. I really want the sixth book to come out, but. We'll see. Yeah, patience, I, my friend. I know. What was interesting with that is, like, I, I'm a huge um, supporter of waiting until a series is done to to do the filming and stuff. But what was interesting is with Game of Thrones, I had read before I had seen each season. I had already read the book that was like corresponding to that season up until the latest one, obviously, because the latest one, latest one or two, have not been related. Like, it's been. Uh, stuff that hasn't been published in a book yet and i've actually liked those ones the most maybe because i'm learning new things about the characters and stuff um but yeah i don't know it's interesting um going back to just like that point about leaving leaving you off uh on an ending or whatever that yeah you know i so an, an example well, let me ask you this: How did you feel about the Hobbit movies? Eh. Yeah, that's that was um, my vibe. I just too. watched, I just watched um, the second one on cable the other day, and it's hard to say because I liked a lot of the stuff when it got into like Watertown or whatever the hell, Lake Town. Yeah. Um, like I liked all that stuff, but like the elf stuff, I didn't really care for all that much, and then everything like. Um, on the mountain and in the caves was like really cool. Um, yeah, I didn't really care. I, dude, I freaking saw the Battle of the Five Armies in theater, and I, I don't remember anything about it. See, that was one of the biggest examples of a movie that just didn't need to happen, in my opinion. Like, yeah. and if you read the book, The Hobbit, the Battle of Five of the Five Armies is like a couple a of page. pages or something. Yeah, yeah, and they made a whole movie off of it. Um, well, that's one thing I learned from Game of Thrones is that action can happen off the page and be just as riveting. You know, it's like yeah, totally. They're just reporting on things that are happening. Like that's exactly what like the book Count of Monte Cristo is like. Like nothing really happens in the book. It's them relaying events that already happened. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say. Like I was so excited. Like after the Lord of the Rings came out. And there was like talk of The Hobbit coming out for years, you know. And then I was so excited when they finally did it. I thought they had a really good cast. But yeah. then, I mean, I thought the first one was pretty decent. But after that, it was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, I, it's one of those examples of like, well, you, you probably should have just left it where it was at. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um that and they shouldn't have milked it, you know? Yeah. They should have just done one movie. They probably could have, and it would have been just as enjoyable. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, there was some interesting stuff with, like, the other wizards. Um, but they, like, combined some of the other, like, Stuff obscure... from the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't need to do that, in my opinion. It was kind of interesting, but yeah, I agree. They didn't need to do it, too. So... Anyways, I love I love movies that kind of leave it up to your interpretation. Those are typically my favorites and ones that have like a clear 
like, hey, we're going to do three movies and then we're done. Like the Dark Knight trilogy. Like Dark Knight trilogy was amazing. And now it's done. Now somebody else is Batman, which I haven't watched any of the new ones. But What, there's um, new Batmans? Well, new ones since the Dark Knight trilogy. There is? Yeah, with uh, Ben Affleck. Oh. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's how bad they are, apparently. (laughs) Um, Dude, that's wild. Yeah. um, I mean, the only ones are... Man, uh, Batman vs Superman and Justice League, which I haven't watched Justice League. Batman vs Superman, everybody's heard me talk about this on podcast before. It's fine. Like I didn't, I'm not jumping up at joy for like the production value of it or anything, but um, you got what you paid for, and <laughs> you went into a movie called Batman vs Superman. So like, what the fuck did you actually <laughs> expect? You know? Yeah. How was that supposed to work? <laughs> yeah. The only way that it, they could have been more explicit was. You know, rich billionaire with power suit fights alien with laser eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you would have been like, oh, so it's Sharknado, you yeah. know, or something like that. Like, you know, it's, it's all in the damn name. Sharknado like, if you watch Sharknado, disguised. You're like, what the? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you watch like, you know, what the old Godzilla is like, Godzilla versus Mothra. It's like, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Right. So why are you upset if you get something else? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was pretty unfair to start. I mean, I don't know what happens because I haven't seen it, but like one should expect Superman to beat Batman, but maybe not well, with his with his yeah. power then, of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good power to have, though. I know. Honestly, um, he's my favorite superhero, but that makes me feel kind of bad about myself. Like my favorite hmm. superhero is the guy who's a billionaire. <laughs> a white billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I like Batman. He's one of my favorites, too, but, I mean, yeah. We should make a new superhero who's just, like, an ordinary person who's named, like, Doug. <laughs> like in Deadpool 2, Peter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. They're not really... They don't have superpowers, except for they're a pretty ordinary guy. I mean, you have Hawkeye in the Marvel ones. Yes. He, like, has like, no power, except he shoots a bow really well. Yeah. <laughs> well anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i think we're at a kind of a good stopping point you know we've uh i think i've made my case that everyone should go watch annihilation tonight um, yeah I and also the the new marvel movies are really good but honestly taylor uh, you know i could push that i would i could push and say you know you might like them but uh i've been wrong about your taste in movies before so do whatever you're comfortable with Thor yeah. Ragnarok is going to be free on Netflix tomorrow. So Yeah, if it's free um, on Netflix, I might check it out. We'll see. Plus, dude, like Chris Hemsworth, dude, he's like my darling right now. He's just so funny and so <laughs> talented and handsome. So, there you go. Um, and, dude, that movie just has like some of the best comedic beats uh, in any Marvel movie. So it's like, you know, it kind of, and it has like a fun, like, kind of that fun vibe that like guardians has like thor ragnarok really picks up and like runs with you know kind of that um i don't know how to explain it but it's pretty good so nice and um god what's her name that plays the bad guy uh she's freaking really good in it too plus the guy who plays the guy in lord of the rings and also um dr mccoy and star trek you know he plays the guy in Lord of the Rings. He's like, I would cut your head off, dwarf, if it but stood a little higher from the ground. You know, oh, the leader Haldir? of the Rohirrim. 
Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, no, no, not what? Haldir. He's the um, elf. Uh, yeah, what the hell's his name? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aemir. Aemir, thank you. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, he's in the movie, too, and he does really well. Like, he's one of those guys, you put him in movies, and it's like, is that, you know, it's like you don't realize it at first. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys who's, like, really famous, but you don't really know who he is. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Cool, man. Well, what do yeah. we got for challenges this week, dude? I mean, I kind of feel like my challenge for you is going to be the same. I want you to kick some ass on uh, those click team, those click team well, tutorials. I want to make my challenge to you to watch Thor Ragnarok this week, but I think you're gonna fail that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could do watch it. Annihilation. Okay, yeah, that's my challenge. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because, dude, uh, you you don't need any freaking challenging on game dev. Like you you got that locked down. <laughs> Thanks, you need man. you need to be challenged on uh on all your guys's pop culture stuff you keep up with well just like unplugging and, re- and get recharge you know spend some time with the wife watch a uh fucking arrival watch annihilation yeah all right I also think be down. uh the actress whose name i couldn't remember fuck me is kate blanchett so uh oh. also in lord of the rings <laughs> yeah lots of lord of the rings people yeah she's badass she is cool, all man. right man well we got our challenges i'm gonna work on some click team Yep. Um, you're going to watch Annihilation and report back. Yes, sir. All righty. Well, unless there's anything else, why no, don't uh, why don't you guys hit us up on Twitter? We're at Game Devs Quest. Let us know what you thought of Annihilation. Have you seen it? Let us know what you think about uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know Catalyst um, Creations likes it. He was uh, he sent me a link to watch about it, which was nice. a pretty funny little cool. scene. Um, yeah, absolutely. And if you, if 280 characters is enough, 240, whatever it is, uh, hit us up. You can email us gdq at airpodcast.com. And don't forget, we got OMG Jam number four coming up last weekend of June. So, uh, hit up gamedevsquest.com. Follow the links to the sign up page on itch.io and uh, get yourself or your team signed up and uh, get ready to rock and roll. We're going to have a fun weekend with that. Um, and yeah, if you got a moment and would like to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform of choice, please do. It takes only a minute for you. It means the world to us. Of course, you can also join our Discord. We got some chats going on right now on Discord. Um, you can do so by going to bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. And if you want to financially support the podcast and keep our lights on and throw us a little bit of moolah, you can do so while also treating yourself. Treat yourself mm-hmm. uh, by going to bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen humble you can buy any of those humble bundles and a small portion will go to us and keep the lights on so we appreciate if you do that they have a really really awesome uh book bundle out right now pocket-sized books ebooks of course uh on html and python and all sorts of other little things and um get yourself a little refresher course on that um if you need to need something to occupy your eyeballs uh yeah also if you guys have any questions you want us to try and answer hit us up on discord let us know We'd be happy to talk about them on the podcast and uh, get your guys' voices heard. Absolutely. Well, I think that does it for this week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. Cue that music. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>